the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. As I said last week, I'm going to be interviewing several different candidates for public office, whether they're incumbent or challengers. This week, I interview Monique Smith, who is a challenger for District 16 of the Ohio House of Representatives. She's challenging my guest last week, Dave Greenspan, and Monique is a former city council person for the city of Lakewood, lives in Fairview Park, and has been uh, endorsed by the Cleveland Building and Construction Trades Council, which is why um, it perked my interest, because uh, the Trades Council endorsed Dave Greenspan last time. So without further ado, I give you my interview with Monique Smith. Hello, Monique. Hi, Tim. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Tim? Doing well, thanks. You are running for state representative in District 16, is that correct? That's correct. House District 16. It includes the um, five western suburbs of Cleveland, Westlake, Rocky River, North Olmstead, Fairview Park, and Bay Village. And uh, I'll just throw in a lot of people don't know that the state house is different from, you know, their congressional house representative. And so this is a position that is uh, in Columbus at the state house representing these suburbs um, when we establish state law and budget uh, priorities down in Columbus. Right. And what would some of those issues be? Well, um, you know, I was motivated to run because, first of all, um, I'm a former city councilwoman, and uh, I'm a person who has a political science degree, and I, I love politics. I think it's so important to be engaged in your community um, and, and participate in the political process. It's our right. It's our duty as citizens. Um, and so as somebody who is aware and tries to stay up to date on, on how my representatives are voting and behaving, I really became concerned about my current state representative and uh, specifically uh, on issues like, um, you know, things like supporting workers. You know, recently uh, I've, heard, I've heard some comments that, that worry me about uh, that my incumbent representative has made. Um, I worry about keeping health care affordable and accessible to everybody. Uh, I worry about, you know, making sure that our schools are fairly funded and are safe um, and, and same for our communities. Um, and so, you know, I hear people in my, uh, in my district talk about their worries about keeping Lake Erie clean right. and keeping, you know, watching out for the environment. So a lot of day-to-day issues that affect families, I just felt were not being, um, were not, were not the focus anymore down in Columbus. I, I feel like there's too much sort of political silliness um, that 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 doesn't help people's day-to-day lives. And so, in a nutshell, um, those are the kinds of issues that I think it helps to sometimes have a mom go down and represent for people. Yeah, is that is that. Uh... Is that how you present is, is basically from the, uh, the family standpoint? I do. Um, you know, because it's important to have just those day-to-day issues that affect children, that affect our elders, sure. that affect those of us who are parents, 
being talked about. We can't always be talking about what's best in terms of, you know, a tax cut for big business. We, we have to balance those priorities. We have to make sure that we have a healthy economy and that we are talking about those things, but that we're also talking about the daily lives of families, especially now when we're facing so many stressful situations with um, COVID, with the changes that, um, that, 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 that will cause for our, our work lives versus our parenting lives um, versus, you know, what we're going to do for schools next year. I, I really think that we don't have enough people in the state house who can see all those sides of the issues and are representing what families need in their day-to-day lives. Right. Well, I, I want to take a step back with you and get to know you a little bit more. Um, you said you're a mom, and so I, I'm on your website. I see you have two beautiful kids, and you're married. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. just tell us a, b- a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, well, I was born in Ohio. I went to Ohio State University. Um, I am married to a North Olmstead guy, so he's a native of the district. I was born in Cincinnati, um, but I've lived on the West Side for, it'll be 18 years in September of this year, 2020. And um, we do have two kids who are uh, in the public schools. I have a third grader and a first grader. Mm-hmm. I spent my career, uh, although I did get a political science degree at Ohio State, I spent my career really, you know, immediately I, I needed to get out of college and start to, you know, support myself right away. There was no safety net for me um, in terms of, you know, my family life. Um, right. And so I, I needed to go to work right away. I started actually as a temp employee um, at the limited brands down in Columbus. And uh, from there, I was hired into the company, into their marketing department. And that started me on a path in marketing and sales. And uh, when I met my husband who wanted to stay in the Cleveland area and stay on the west side. We started our lives here. I worked for a manufacturer in Beechwood called Lampson and Sessions. Um, They produced a product that is very familiar to the electrical industry, uh, a brand called Carlon. And so they were doing electrical boxes and conduit and things like that made of uh, plastics. And so that was the next marketing job uh, for me. Um, Unfortunately, that brand has been purchased by a competitor um, in, I believe, Tennessee. And so uh, that was a long, long time um, Cleveland area company that moved a big portion of its workforce away. Um, but then I was fortunate to um, get a, uh, a marketing position at Highland Software in Westlake in my district and uh, worked there for eight years and just enjoyed it so much. Um, and really got to see a totally different kind of culture um, for, for you know, for young, creative people uh, in a growing field, um, in, a, in a high-tech field. Right. Um, but then, so I, somewhere in there, I also ran for city council back when I lived in the city of Lakewood. Uh, I won my race. It was in 2009. I ended up uh, representing the whole city, it was an at-large position. And so I had 52,000 constituents. And it was from 2010 to 2014 when we were still recovering from the effects of the Great Recession sure. in terms of stabilizing you know, our, our local economy, our small businesses, our housing stock. And, um, and so after that, though, with a toddler and a preschooler at home, I decided to stay home with the kids full-time. And so 
I've been doing that for a number of years and just staying politically active and um, contributing to my community through other organizations. Moms Demand Action is one of them. Um, and, you know, doing what I can to stay involved and make a difference. And this is, you know, running for this office is the next best way for me to do that. Yeah, I see the uh, Moms Demand Action logo on your website as an endorsement. What What is Moms Demand Action? Yeah, it's an important, I'm glad you're asking about it because uh, it is a nonpartisan organization that works in favor of what they refer to as common sense gun legislation. So uh, making sure that um, we have laws that keep families safe, even as we acknowledge that folks choose to own guns for their personal safety or for sport. Um, my husband is a hunter, and I understand that people use, um, you know, use use firearms to hunt and do things like that. Right. Um, but what I know from conversations with him and with his father before his father passed away, you know, his father grew up in West Virginia, um, hunting, you know, as a pastime. And when his his father said to me, "I really think we should have." some background checks for everybody. It really made me realize that so many people, including gun owners, just want common sense, safety regulations, and frankly, to lift up the the responsible gun owners and weed out the irresponsible ones. And so that's what Moms Demand Action is about. And um, they, uh, as a group, volunteers lobby our state house representatives um, and, and use data and reports from other states to show that when we implement some of these really basic common sense and widely supported initiatives, um, that there are positive results. We reduce the number of you know fatalities, accidents with children, um, and uh, and injuries. So that's what Moms Demand Action is, and that's been a, an important way for me to learn about um, you know what our state representatives are doing in Columbus and how we can all be involved in um, helping to make sure that our legislation is, is balanced and, and, and makes sense. I think I've seen some headlines this week about state legislation on guns. Do, are you familiar with what's going on currently? Yeah, I know that there is what's called a permitless carry um, movement, and that's a perfect example, I think, of what is not really a common sense measure. And, and in fact, not something that I would think most gun owners would, would be, would be, um, advocating for. It is going against everything I know of. Um, what is the, uh, what is the law? What does it do? Yeah. So permitless carry, uh, is, is providing the opportunity for people to carry uh, to have a concealed carry weapon, as far as I understand it, um, without needing uh, training or a permit in order to have have the right to carry that weapon. And so um, what I know of responsible gun owners is that they very strongly care about um, training. They care about, you know, making sure that they themselves follow safety standards and that they teach their children if their children 
are being um, taught to use firearms for sport, it is very important to teach. We want others to be as safe as we are being. Exactly. And so this really flies in the face of that. And it's just just going so much farther than anybody, any reasonable person that I have spoken to is actually interested in going. So it's it's unfortunately um, really not necessarily representing what Ohioans want, but what, you know, I'd say political lobbying groups want. Um, And that's the way I see it. Yeah. On that issue. But yeah, that is moving forward. And then there's there's something that's promoting a stand your ground uh, approach to um, gun owners rights, which is also incredibly dangerous and has resulted in some really tragic deaths um, in other states. And I just I, I just don't think it's what most Ohioans want. You know, stand your ground removes the duty to retreat. Um, from the responsibilities of a gun owner and is often translated to mean kill at will. And it's just um, really dangerous. And, and again, um, data doesn't show that these things make us safer. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows the opposite, in fact. And so what I care about, of course, as a parent um, and as, you know, someone who wants to live in a safe community is, is that we promote safety. We, you know, we, we, we make sure that um, everyone is responsible sure. for their gun ownership and that's not what these laws do. Sure. Well, I know I wanted to ask you about that because you know, I represent contractors and um, you know, the construction community in general is maybe just stereotypically, but I think it's somewhat true is, you know, pretty fairly, uh, in favor of hunting and, and outdoors sure. sporting activity. And, you know, we go, we have skeet shooting competitions sure. and outings and it's a lot of fun. And, um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, people are pretty responsible. And, and so I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the, uh, limitless ability to carry a gun, uh, without restriction does for us in, in, in a good way. But, um, I wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Yeah, um, I'm glad you asked, and I appreciate the chance to answer the question. Oh, sure. Um, so, as I said, well, I represent contractors who employ the building trades, and um, so what we care about a lot is job creation, laws that will inhibit or encourage us to employ more people, to uh, encourage or inhibit our ability to employ them at the prevailing wage, which is a uh, American dream supporting wage. Um yeah and not undercut our ability to compete when we employ people and provide them the ability to, to realize the American dream. I see that on your list of issues on the website, you have some talk about uh, careers in the trades and the skilled trades in high tech and green manufacturing. Uh, you're talking about your school initiatives. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we need to acknowledge that uh, we haven't fully made the transition in Ohio to, um, you know, sort of the economy of the future. Unfortunately, we're well into the 21st economy, 21st century economy, and I don't feel that we have done what we need to do to build opportunity for economic growth in the jobs. And, and manufacturing sectors of the future. And so green energy and green manufacturing are what come to mind for me. Um, and as it turns out, Ohio is already one of the top 10 states employing folks in, uh, in manufacturing areas that 
support or create, you know, uh, renewable and, and sort of green products. So it makes perfect sense to me to sort of go with our DNA as a state, um, you know, and, and our, and as a region up here north in Northeast Ohio and, um, and use those manufacturing skills that we have, um, and make sure that we dominate the the industries that are developing and becoming bigger as we go forward instead of those industries that unfortunately are going to probably shrink as um, we, as a society, look for more sustainable ways so to, what you know. Kinds of, uh, what kinds of examples of, of states, state laws that have been enacted or state initiatives have been taken? What are the examples that you would seek to follow for Ohio? Well, I have to say, you know, I um, would like to see us promote, provide incentives um, for green, uh, for green manufacturers. And unfortunately, we've kind of gone in the opposite direction in recent years. Um, You know, I know that HB6 um, was meant to preserve jobs and um, keep an industry, you know, afloat that, um, was struggling, but in the, would you remind everybody what that bill was? Sure. HB six is what some people refer to as the um, first energy bailout. Mm -hmm. And, um, that supports the, it, it helps to shore up, um, you know, the nuclear, um, nuclear energy, um, facilities that are aging, um, but that do employ workers who, you know, most certainly want to remain employed. The problem with HB6 was that it didn't just stay focused on that. And by the way, I really do think there would have been opportunities to, to move away from that and to retrain workers and, and that workers who are in fields that are, um, not the fields of the future should be first in line for retraining and for positions in fields that we're trying to develop. I want to say that. But the other problem with HB6 was that it didn't just focus on that nuclear piece. It also undid lots of um, provisions that our state had tried to put in place years earlier to help incentivize the growth of um, green manufacturing and energy. And that drags us backward. And it makes us, in my opinion, look like a backward-facing state, a backward-looking state to the rest of the country. I think it's important to show that we are able to adapt, that we want to adapt, and that we are prepared to invite and welcome in businesses and create job opportunities in new areas. And unfortunately, I felt that that did the opposite of that. Um, it did uh, it did address a short-term need for some workers, but I think we can do more to put those same workers in a position to have even better opportunity in other fields going forward. Okay. Makes sense. Um, with respect to our issues, I, I have kind of given you a highlight of some of the issues that we care about the most as an industry in our unique niche that we, that we serve here at CEA. One of those is prevailing wage in Ohio. We have a state prevailing wage law, which ensures that contractors who 
pay their employees um, the, the the prevailing wage, which is a family sustaining um, American dream enabling wage, can compete on state work, which ensures that the state gets the product that it's purchased, um, constructed by skilled craftspeople. What what are your views on prevailing wage and uh, or any kind of uh, related issues? Well, I think that prevailing wage is important, especially in a world where we um, have started to see a race to the bottom in terms of workers' wages and benefits. And, you know, unfortunately, the, I believe that the market isn't going to protect workers on its own uh, and that we need to maintain these kinds of um, regulations uh, that that require prevailing wage and and more than fair pay, livable uh, livable wages, and like you said, wages that really support the American dream that we all have. We have to have those set in law in a in a in a world and in an economy that isn't going to encourage those things on its own, unfortunately. And and we do live in a world where. You know, workers can be brought in from out of state or from another country, um, and you know, without regulations to say those workers deserve uh, a livable wage, and our you know, and our workers deserve a livable wage, um, it just won't happen. Um, I think it's important to make sure that those laws also say that we always give preference to our local workers whose dollars stay in local communities. Um, if we don't keep these things set in law, uh, it will be extremely harmful to workers and, um, you know, they, uh, they won't receive the wages that they really need to continue the middle-class life that Mm -hmm. they work so hard for and that we all want. Sure. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, as, as you probably know, the state of Ohio enacted a law a few years ago that prohibited localities localities from ensuring that projects that they build on their own are are performed by local people. So now the uh, prevailing wage is even more important in that respect because if you require prevailing wage, you have a much greater chance of getting Ohioans to work on that job just because of how um, um, the hiring gets done on prevailing wage jobs. More local right. Ohio-based contractors are able to compete on those jobs. So it's not about the bottom dollar. So anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap it up? You know, I mean, I think that along with protecting prevailing wage, we need to uh, make sure that project labor agreements can continue to be used and protected. Um, You know, again, in order to protect workers, make sure that um, we uh, have local labor use, that we have um, procedures in place to um, avoid labor disputes, and that, you know, the appropriate level of wages and benefits are paid. Um, We also need to make sure that we're always protecting collective bargaining rights. And unfortunately, I, I just it's unfortunate to me that we live in a time and, and that there are politicians who want to roll these things back. And so we have to sort of stay vigilant and make sure that we're holding our ground in terms of saying, we're not going to roll these things back. Um, we're not going to let 
our top employers in the state be Walmart, <laughs> you know, and and retailers. We want people to do um, the work that is that we're so good at in Ohio, and we want folks to be paid for that um, fairly and compensated fairly and receive the benefits they need to keep themselves and their families healthy. And for them, it ha- you know, collective bargaining is a huge part of how we get there. So those are really three pieces that go together that have to be protected. And, um, and that's, that's part of what I want to work for when I get down in the state house. All right. Sounds good. Well, Monique, I appreciate your time. Uh, Monique Smith is running for District 16, uh, State of Ohio House Representative. And you can find her on the internet at MoniqueSmithForStateRep.com. Anything else that you'd like to share in terms of contact information? Uh, you know, I'm, I, I love receiving feedback. Um, you can give me feedback through my website. There's actually a little place there where you can put in a comment or a question. I also have an email address. It's Smith416, S-M-I-T-H-F-O-R-1-6. And I uh, would love to uh, hear folks' um, thoughts and comments and questions and concerns anytime anyone wants to share them. All right. Thanks a lot and have a great day. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.